here's why I think that's interesting. Um, in in my faith tradition growing up, a dramatic story was the story of me being caught up in sex and drugs and rock and roll and all the terrible, <laughs> horrible, no good, very bad things. Yeah. Or the code of and ethics then, that I grew up with, uh, don't yeah. drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Um, right, And yes. my other joke on that is I grew up in Arkansas, <laughs> so good luck finding a girl who didn't drink, smoke, or chew. <laughs> Good luck finding a girl who doesn't chew. (laughs) Anyway, um, (laughs) uh, if you're from Arkansas, I am really sorry. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Hey, you know what? Apology accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to the West Pod, a place where Wesleyan theology and real life meet. And we're all just holding on to the promise that the best of all is God is with us. Welcome to today's episode of The West Pod. Uh, my name is John, one of your co-hosts here, and we also have joining us our other co-host, uh, Kristen. And Pastor Kristen is joining us remotely today uh, from her home studio. Uh, but thanks to the beauty of technology in the modern <laughs> world, we can still talk to each other. <laughs> so, hi, Kristen. I like how professional you make me sound from my home studio. Uh-huh. Um what that really means is the TV tray and laptop setup that I have in an office. <laughs> I think the I, I think the like uh, through the COVID shutdown earlier in 2020 and all the remote working, we've all learned to embellish our our, <laughs> our home workplace and to making it sound Good. like the home office or the home studio. And it, uh, we all have a bunch of TV trays and you know T-shirts with old paint stains <laughs> on them. <laughs> How did you know I was in a mission trip outfit? <laughs> right. Yeah, just work from home means dress like you're on youth mission trip and and uh, absolutely and stretchy pants and t-shirts and low ponytails for the win. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But we are not here to talk about mission trip today, are we? <laughs> no, not at all. We are continuing our uh, little series uh, foray into Adult confirmation, covering some of those basic topics of the Christian faith uh, from a Wesleyan perspective. Um, we have just finished up a couple episodes on the Wesleyan quadrilateral, um, and so you can go back and listen to those. Those are in the library where we talked about um, you know sources uh, for for understanding the Christian faith, uh, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And we're just kind of moving the conversation forward a little bit. Uh, and we're going to talk about Wesley uh, and a Wesleyan understanding of grace today. I love it. So, um, wow. So, how much of Wesley are we going to talk about, do you think? Um, you know, I guess that depends on how much Wesley we talk about. <laughs> it just kind of depends on what the direction the wind carries us, right? That's right. Because uh, just for our listeners, we do we do map this out, but we also just kind of, you know, see where the conversation goes. A little more organic that way. Um, Semi-scripted. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, as always, um, especially if the bishop is listening, as always, I have my book of discipline open in front of me. <laughs> Um, and, and I might I might bring up the articles of religion today. I don't know. That seems to be something we— <laughs> You know, I'm really glad you brought up the articles of religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's fun to work those in sometimes. But we do have uh, some, some space in our, um, you know, in our, in our denomination's doctrinal uh, system laid out in our Book of Discipline uh, to talk about distinctive Wesleyan emphases— 
Um, and one of the main ones there is how we talk about the grace of God. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, one, one of the things that gets talked about a lot, we talk about grace a lot in, you know, in the Methodist church, in churches that um, resulted from the Methodist movement, from, uh, you know, that, that branch of the Christian family tree that John and Charles Wesley, uh, you know, eventually started you know, we, we say, well, we we talk about grace a lot. We're, we're a church that's, you know, kind of built on grace. Um, and to be fair, Methodists, uh, Wesleyan Christians, uh, didn't, John Wesley himself, did not invent the concept of grace. Um, and we'll kind of get into defining what that is. But why is this a distinct emphasis for us? Why is, why are we devoting um, you know, a whole podcast episode to talk about how Wesleyan Christians understand God's grace. It's because, um, you know, in in John Wesley's theological kind of system that he was creating, um, things had to be practical. They had to enrich the Christian life. Uh, and so what Wesley gave us is a way of talking about God's grace based on um, you know, not a new concept that he developed, a new theological concept that, that he developed, because uh, being true to what we talked about in previous episodes with the quadrilateral, you know, we, we our primary source for understanding God's grace is Scripture. Um, and so Wesley didn't invent the concept or the word, uh, but he did give us a structure for uh, thinking about God's grace kind of based on how we experience it. Right. And for me, what that's always done is it's helped me understand how God is reaching into human existence and and working in a loving way, kind of based on how we experience that, and we can kind of track through uh, God's work, um, you know, especially as it relates to, um, you know, our need for salvation, our experience of salvation in Jesus Christ, and and so that's why it's important that we talk about how we emphasize in a unique way, um, you know, or, or how we explain in, in a uh, kind of a unique way, how God's grace actually works. What is this doing for us? Um, how do we experience God at work? Uh, and so that's why there's a whole podcast episode based on this, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like how you, um, how you frame that up with that question. What is this doing for us? Yeah. Um, and, and that you point out that at the end of the day, for, for John Wesley, um, if the theology that we espouse, if what we say we believe is not making a difference in our lived existence, then it's, it's vapor. It's, it's worthless. Right. Yes. Um, and so this was a, this was a way of talking about what we practically experience. Right. Um, but the other thing that you did, John, that I, I want to spend some time with maybe unpacking is you pointed out, we talk about grace all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's what Methodists are known for, right? You and I both come from another tradition. Yeah. And I don't know how your tradition talked about Methodists. Um, but Not my tradition, <laughs> those I mean. Methodies, um, <laughs> my, my tradition talked about us um, uh, in such a way that they... Uh, they said, well, those Methodists, they just allow anything. They just, right. everything's covered by grace. You can do whatever you want. And they're not worried about, about mm -hmm. living a faithful life. And, um, and, and so there's this misnomer, both inside of Methodism and outside of Methodism, um, about what we're talking about when we talk about grace. Right. Um, yeah. Inside, 
inside of Methodism, our misnomer is that sometimes we confuse grace and forgiveness, right? Truth. Those are yeah. those are two different things. And outside, um, folks kind of see our emphasis on grace as kind of a laissez-faire uh, mm-hmm. religiosity, right? Do what yeah. you want. God's got you. Yeah, kind of like that, <laughs> like uh, the libertarian blank check kind of approach to life. Yes. And, and, and you know, and the thing is, is, um, those movements have popped up in the history of the church. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we have seen that before, but that is not an accurate description of what we mean when we talk about grace and when we emphasize grace. So, yeah. Say, here, here's me being a good interviewer. Say more. Okay. Oh, say more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look at you. I'm so impressed. Um, yeah. So, so I think you know, when, when we talk about grace, we want to talk about, um, grace as a thing, which describes every single aspect, every single part of our relationship with God. Um, the things that we're aware of and the things that we're unaware of, right. The conscious and the subconscious. And that's, that is where Wesleyan language and the Wesleyan lens um, of how he understands and gives voice to grace as something that is preventing, um, as something that is justifying, and as something that is sanctifying. Mm-hmm. That is where kind of breaking off into right. those three points is helpful. Um, right. so, and especially, and we'll get into this more, but I think that just grace understood kind of writ large in Christianity because we share this concept mm-hmm. with most of, if not all, of Christianity. You know, God's saving grace, that mm-hmm. justifying grace, um, and we certainly emphasize that and talk about it. But I think where we can help people understand how they're experiencing God, the Holy Spirit at work, um, is especially in addressing that prevenient grace and sanctifying grace, which again are not different. You know, prevenient, justifying, sanctifying grace—they're not different things. It's just mm-hmm. that's how we're experiencing great God's grace in that you know, in that moment. Um, so let's let's dive a little deeper. Um, do you have a definition of grace at hand in your home studio, or would you like me to read mine here <laughs> in, in the, in the uh, work studio? Well, um, do you want the definition of grace I grew up with or yes. the one I understand now? One, one so, you grew up with, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll chime in on that as well. Well, well, we would not we would not be part of the Christian faith if we were not making use of a good acronym. Ooh. So uh, when I see, I, I never grew- had one of those. What? I don't think I had an acronym. You're Methodist. You've got a thousand and ten of them now. Yeah, I'm still. I'm actually still learning them. <laughs> the, the boom, the B O M, the I need. A, oh wait, those are the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I do need. I do need a uh, a cheat sheet for Methodist acronyms. I, th- I think we all do. <laughs> so um, the acronym that we had for grace when I was growing up was um, that grace was defined as God's riches at Christ's expense, right? G-R-A-C-E, God's yeah, riches at okay. Christ's expense. Um, and so that's that kind of gives voice to a particular way of viewing salvation, a way of viewing God's action in um, the world and for us. Um, as I've grown up and um, begun, you know, to A, live out my own faith, but B, um, as I studied it in seminary, I think the best definition for grace is oftentimes the simplest, um, yeah. and it's just God's favor. 
God's freely given favor. There we go. Yeah. So um, I think my my understanding of grace growing up was kind of limited to uh, what we actually talk about as justifying grace um, in the um, you know in our in our schema here. Um, you know, God's grace is just about that moment of justification of being made put in right relationship with God, um, and then that was that was it. That was kind of the end of the discussion. Um, and and it was you know, looking back, I still hold to that as part of my understanding, but my understanding is just more full now, which is you know what we get into here later in the podcast. Um, but as far as like a you know, I, I like that definition, just that simple grounding it in. Um, you know, it's it's really talking about God's favor. Now, the the Book of Discipline kind of uh, you know official statement definition uh, expands that a little bit and says by Greek by grace um, we mean the undeserved or undeserved, however you <laughs> want to pronounce that, uh, unmerited and loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present Holy Spirit, mm. um, which I think kind of captures it. You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm always looking for like a better word or a better definition, and I, I, I read that, and I'm like, you know, that when, when we talk, you know, talk about rooting our understanding of God's grace in Scripture primarily and, and reading through, um, you know, the, the Torah and the prophets and the, you know, the Gospels and, and Paul's letters and just all these different places in Scripture where we see the grace of God at work, the presence and activity of God uh, intervening in human existence. Um, you know, this is, this is a really good way of capturing it. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's a loving action of God in human existence through the ever-present Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. so we're never away from God's grace. God's grace yeah. is always present because the Holy Spirit is always present and at work. And, and how God interacts with us, you know, isn't based on something that we deserve. It's not based on some, you know, on, on our merit. It's not based on something we have earned. It's simply rooted in an understanding of God as loving creator, of God as uh, God who wants to reach out to us and uh, and help us become aware of of our need for a deeper relationship with God and uh, through Jesus Christ, and and so that's what we kind of mean by grace, as far as the definition, you know, the definition of the term, and that fits with the root of what we see in Scripture. Um, you know the the Greek word for for grace in the New Testament is uh, a Greek word called charis, and we translate it, that as grace. And and in um, in uh, Greek, you know that that root word gets connected to um, like the you know gift, you know something that is given to you. And so, in a way, we can understand you know God's unmerited, undeserved, loving action uh, as this gift that we all receive that we all have on offer to us um absolutely yeah thank you for sharing the um what the uh not was it acrostic oh did i say acronym Acronym. it was an acrostic um (laughs) i actually actually thought you said acrostic and i thought acronym was the correct word so um, oh well there you go (laughs) i thought i was getting it wrong (laughs) you know what we're just gonna call it an abbreviation (laughs) right a fun a fun list by which we learn 
But you know what? Even even that John is wrapped up in this moment of kind of justifying grace and and right. Um, I don't want to say it fails. I I maybe falls short a little bit right. of yeah. really capturing that idea that that grace is always at work, right? And mm-hmm. and we see that um, throughout Scripture. You, it's starting in Genesis, right? Starting with the very creation of humankind, where God mm-hmm. has gone through and created everything, and 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 it was good, it was good, it was good, and then God creates humankind and looks out over everything that God has created and says this is very good, yeah. right? And in the Hebrew, it's it's good, good. We're, to, we're repeating it. Yeah, right. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Very good. We're, we're repeating it. It's good, good. Um, and if it's good, good, it's really good. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because as um We challenge as we our listeners learned, to describe something as good, good today. Yeah, yeah. so please describe something as good, good. Um, <laughs> and then justify it. <laughs> we yeah. want to know why it's good, good. Kevin, eat your um, broccoli. It's good, good. <laughs> it's good, good for you. <laughs> and it tastes good, too. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, this idea of, of grace at work begins from the very moment of creation um, when God... God originally says, like, this is very good. And and we see it pop up again throughout scripture. We see it in Jeremiah when, when God um, is calling Jeremiah and, and says, you know, I, I knew you from before you were in the womb, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm calling you. Um, we see it again in Philippians. We see it in, in Philippians with the writings of Paul, um, where we're told that it's, it's God who is at work in us. Right. Um, yes. So, so this this idea of um, constantly being surrounded by grace is not meant to be kind of a laissez-faire thing. What it's meant to highlight for us is one of the ways that we experience grace is when we actually don't recognize the good gifts we have, mm. um, which sounds so weird, um, but that's what Wesley talks about when he. We call it prevenient grace now. Um, I really like, I don't know why we changed the word because Wesley called it preventing grace, which I like a little better than prevenient. I think we needed to put a $5 word on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but Wesley said it's, it's preventing grace. And that's, that's that grace that um, does not depend on us in any way, shape, form or fashion. Right. It's um, it's God blessing us before we realize God is blessing us. And that comes yes. through all those circumstances that we don't necessarily recognize. Um, and we see it when, when we very first desire to even please God without much of a further understanding of what God wants in our lives. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that... You know, now is a good time to segue into just getting into these, um, you know, because prevenient or, or preventing mm-hmm. grace is that first kind of phase of how we uh, experience God's grace at work. Um, and the the name when we say prevenient um, or or preventing, you know, it really is implying that grace of God that comes before, that goes before us. So that God's grace is there to meet us before we even know where we're going, right? Yeah. Um, and 
you know, just the the sense that God is present, that God is work, even though I'm not even aware of that yet. I have not been awakened to that. I have not been made aware of God's um, existence and presence and activity and of my need uh, for Christ as Savior. And yet, God is there. God is there acting lovingly toward me. Um, and and this is this is that that phase of experience in in, in our um, in our relationship with God where you know that waking up happens where the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit working awakens in us that um, that that reality that we that we do miss that mark you know that mm-hmm. that we that we need uh, that we need God uh, that we need a deeper relationship with God. Um, and that's that's a place that I look back um, at my own journey with Christ, and and at that point in my life, I didn't have a word, prevenient grace or preventing grace, to describe yeah. what was happening. And yet, I look back and I'm like that's exactly what was happening. God was God was tapping me on the shoulder, and kind of getting me to turn around, saying, "Hey, hey, I'm here. Hey, I love you." Um, and I was experiencing that, but I didn't have a word for it. And so right. I think that's kind of the gift of this little schema is is it it takes this experience that we have with God and gives you know and gives it a word so that we can you know kind of name it and 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 pass that understanding on. Um, but yeah, that is um, you know that 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 waking up moment of hey mm-hmm. God God is here God God loves me um, mm-hmm. I, I I need more of this I need I need to keep going this way. Um, it, you know, it it kind of awakens this wish in us, you know, to to please our God, to please our Creator, to live a life, um, uh, you know, that meets those two great commandments that Jesus talks about: love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength; love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, it, I want to I want to begin pursuing that because God has first woken that awareness up in me, and has acted graciously toward me. Um, in helping me realize that, you know, and that that is something for which I'm so thankful, um, and and giving language to that to talk about this is this is how God this is how we experience God's work at that kind of phase, um, right? Is I've always found very helpful in like pastoral conversations with people um, because I've talked to people who are like yeah same thing I don't have a word for it but I can kind of look back or I can kind of look at what I'm going through now and, and I can see that happening, um, so that's that's a gift that we get yeah. from God. Well, and I think that, I think it's, you know, when we look at scripture and I'm, I actually did not have this written down, but you made me think of it. Um, You're welcome. When we, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you made me think today. That's good. Good. Um, <laughs> oh, Hey, look at that. You hey, I it. used it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. And yeah. <laughs> and completed. Oh, absolutely. So, but, but I wonder if John, if, if, when we look at kind of the metaphors for God in the Bible and, and even outside of scripture metaphors for God that we use, right? Because we're always mm-hmm. trying to give language to what we can't understand. Right. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if this is where we get the metaphor and the analogy for God as father or God as mother that we see throughout um, yeah. scripture, right? Because that's that, that um, parental mer- metaphor. Yeah. Right. You've got, you've got two kids. I've got two kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's, uh, something about kind of those, 
those first moments, right? When you see this, this being you created um, and, and you just fall so deeply in love with that child. Yes, um, yeah. And, and perhaps when we use parent imagery for God, that, that that's kind of the moment we're trying to capture is God looking at us um, and falling deeply in love with us before we've ever done anything um, to warrant that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way of explaining that because I, you know, in, in conversations again, as, as pastor with people and, and even talking about this in seminary, you know, that, that parental metaphor for God does break down for a lot of people because, you know, they, when we're, um, if you look into what cognitive linguistics folks and, and, and cognitive science folks say about metaphor, um, you know, kind of that, there's a a book by uh, Lakoff and Johnson, um, I think it's called like the metaphors we live by. And they really dig into, hey, this is how metaphors help us make meaning out of something. We take um, something from this domain of life that we think we understand, and then we have something else that we don't understand, and we kind of lay it over that other domain and see where the similarities arise, and we make meaning out of that. Um, And so, you know, but the problem is, you know, that arises with that is that, you know, that target domain we're trying to get to, this new understanding of this thing that we didn't understand before, um, if the uh, conceptual base for that is kind of flawed, then we, we risk the, you know, the uh, we take the risk of, of transferring some of that over. And, and that's a, to say this more simply, sometimes when we use that parent parental metaphor for God, it breaks down because a lot of us didn't have good experiences with parents, right? And so when we introduce that topic to people uh, and if they had, didn't have a good understanding or experience with, with uh, you know, parents, parents uh, then, you know, they're like, well, does that mean God is like that? Because if God is like parent, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really want to go down this, right. down this, done this path very much. That's hurtful. That's harmful. Yeah. Um, but I think kind of keying in on that that moment, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you've had, uh, if you've uh, had the uh, opportunity to, um, and it's such a blessing to have the opportunity to bring a child into this world, and those first few moments are just undescribable. Uh, you know, and my on my Myers, we we talk about our personalities on here a lot. I'm you know kind of an <laughs> introverted thinker. I'm the INTP on the Myers Briggs, and uh, you know, just jokingly, we're emotional robots. Um, uh, and I don't get that emotional about much in life, but I remember that 12:56 a.m. on June 9th in 2009, when my daughter came into the world. I remember that feeling, that rush of. I, I just met this baby and I already love her with everything I have. Um, and, you know, and the same for my son a few years later. And we're expecting our third child coming up in the spring. Um, and, you know, just the expectation of that happening again. Um, and I want to do everything I can for them, even though they have no idea. They have no idea that I want that for them, that I want good for them, that I love them, uh, that, that I want our relationship to be amazing. They have no idea. That's just action on my part at that point, right? And that that prevenient grace, that kind of captures um, again, you know, for the risk of a metaphor falling short. Um, prevenient grace is kind of like that moment, right? God yeah. looking at us lo- so lovingly, even even though we might not really notice and might not really understand, we might not be aware. Um, 
But yeah, so is is now a good time to kind of move from prevenient to kind of justifying grace? Um, can I can I say one more thing about oh, metaphor absolutely, real quick? Absolutely, please. Um, I I'm thinking about those experiences of folks who don't have kind of that that solid relationship with parents to look at metaphor as the similar, right? Like if my parent can love me like this, then so does God. Um, and and I'm thinking it, it brought to mind Sally McFaig, right? Yes, um, yeah. And and McFaig is kind of known for for theological upending, yeah. yes, theological yeah. metaphor. But she upends the the definition, right? Yes. So so we talk a lot too about me being an English major. When I got to <laughs> seminary and uncovered Sally McFaig. I, my mind was blown because McFaig's yeah. argument is that metaphor does not primarily work on the way that things are similar, but on the way that they are dissimilar. Oh, yeah. Right? right. And so, so it acknowledges from the outset that every metaphor for God we ever come up with is going to fall short because God is yes. so dissimilar from what we're comparing God to. Yeah. Um, so... I'm wondering if understanding metaphor as something that that is pointing out the ways that things are dissimilar would be helpful um, for folks who have trouble kind yeah. of thinking about God as parent, because then it's, you know what? God is not like that. Right, yeah. Right? If if my parent, and, and even if my parent was loving, God is not like that because God loves so much more. Mm-hmm. God loves so much more deeply, so much more thoroughly, so much more unreservedly. Um, so, so she almost says that the metaphor is is the ultimate improv, right? Yes, and yeah, <laughs> because because it will fall apart. So, yeah. yes, God is a parent, and, and yeah. so much more. Yeah, no, that I think that's awesome, and and I I have no doubt that we have some listeners who will be like keying in on that that part of the conversation, make. Oh yeah, no, that helps make sense. <laughs> uh, and and maybe if I had a a, um, a less than favorable relationship with a parent, um, maybe kind of helps unpackage some of that so that it's not yeah. oh well if God is like my father then God is a real jerk right um, yeah. not necessarily no <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah. um, so if your if your father or your mother was a jerk then um, God is so much mm-hmm. more right. than what they were able to be for whatever reason yeah. that they were able to be what they were. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Now nice, we can nice move on to justification. <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I add a little uh, transition piece from prevenient sure. to justifying, Grace? Um, yeah. So one of, the, one of the things that we also teach in uh, Wesleyan theology uh, is we do uh, adhere to a, um, and what's called an Arminian um, you know, system of theology, and and what we mean by that is that we we recognize and appreciate uh, that God has given us uh, the creation, human beings who are made in the image of God. God has given us the the gift of uh, choice of free will, and so um, God helps us in those decisions. But ultimately, we we are people who um, you know we're not automatons walking around. Um, you know, without a, a mind and, and a, a, the ability to make decisions for ourselves. God calls us to make those choices, right? And so when we talk about coming and putting faith in Christ, uh, which is what we're talking about uh, with transitioning into justifying grace, um, 
you know, one of the things that that I experienced in my journey was, you know, I didn't I didn't have the wherewithal in myself to be to even be able to make a decision to follow Christ, to put faith and trust in Christ the Savior, um, until God awoke, awoke, you know, awakened that in me. Um, and so I think that one of those things that happens that we experience in prevenient grace is also God, you know, strengthening and 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 giving um, giving more um, uh, you know kind of uh, breadth and depth to this gift that we already have to make a decision to follow Christ, uh, and 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 in the Holy Spirit's work in waking us up to a need for a deeper relationship with God. God is putting us in the position to say, okay, now now choose faith. Now choose trust in Jesus Christ. Um, and I didn't have that before. God stepped in and and acted grace, graciously, gracefully toward me, right? Um, and so that's one of those like transition pieces, I think, from previous, because again, part of that question is like, what's happening, uh, you know, in, in these experiences of God's grace, um, which transitions us into justification uh, or justifying grace. Um, how, to, how, I have to pull my brain back in the podcast now because you said it tells us what's happening. And I immediately thought about um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the word? Tell me what's happening. <laughs> That's awesome. Which we did watch in our seminary evangelism class, by the way. We Just did. It was amazing. A historical footnote there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to justifying grace. Yes. <laughs> Away from singing apostles. Um, uh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I think the shift happens right when if if preventing grace is that grace that is there, whether I really recognize it mm. or not, justifying grace is the kind of grace that that my little acronym abbreviation yeah. um, acrostic, whatever we want to call it. Um, Justifying grace is what that is trying to capture. And it's it's that moment that we experience and mm. know we are experiencing yes. God's love and forgiveness and pardon. It's it is um yes. I, I think of John Wesley's like heart strangely warmed moment, right? Yes, that absolutely. Was, that was a moment of justifying, like I knew that God's love was for yeah. me. That, and that I have a part in in being God's love for others. Yes. Right. Yeah. And 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 he and if you go back to Wesley's writings, what, what was he preaching and writing about so much, especially early on, was, listen, I, I feel like I'm doing the right things. I got the right theological education. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm ordained. Um, I'm going out and I'm preaching, and yet I just don't feel close to God. I don't I don't feel like I'm good enough to stand before this holy God. I feel like I am falling short. Um, and what we would say is, you know, he was experiencing this prevenient grace, and then he has that heart strangely warm moment, you know, where where it just rushes in and just overtakes him, and he gets that assurance that yes, Christ loves him, that yes, he is forgiven and, and pardoned of his sinful nature, and um, and he and he is in right relationship with God. Yeah, that's that that's that thing that we talk about, that kind of experience, um, which. You know, when uh, in Wesley's case was kind of, uh, you know, just this this moment. It was like sudden and, um, you know, it, it, kind of this dramatic experience that that he was able to witness to and testify about later on. 
Um, and one, and and in my own experience as pastor, I find that sometimes that is this sudden dramatic moment. Sometimes it's also this, um, you know, it, it's kind of gradual, and it, yeah. and people kind of get there a little bit more slowly. And so we don't always, we don't all have that same like, boom, stick of dynamite blowing up with with the Holy Spirit <laughs> um, uh, moment. But we do. We, we do still experience it, whether it happens in a moment or um, or it's kind of gradual over, spread out over time. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that you describe it as dramatic. Yeah, I'm stealing it I, once again. If the bishop is listening, I'm stealing that word from the book of discipline. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, here's why I think that's interesting. Um, in in my faith tradition growing up, a dramatic story was the story of me being caught up in sex and drugs and rock and roll and all the terrible, <laughs> horrible, no good, very bad things. Yeah. Or the code of and ethics then, that I grew up with, uh, don't yeah. drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. Um, right, And yes. my other joke on that is I grew up in Arkansas, <laughs> so good luck finding a girl who didn't drink, smoke, or chew. <laughs> good luck finding a girl who doesn't chew. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, if you're from Arkansas, I am really sorry. I'm just kidding. Apolo- um, <laughs> hey, you know what? Apology accepted. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for accepting that um, on behalf of everyone from Arkansas. Um, But, but for real, like that, that was how I was taught justifying grace like that. Mm -hmm. That's dramatic, right? I was caught up in all these horrible sins and then Jesus Christ made himself real to me. And then I understood and I prayed this prayer and I Mm -hmm. repented and, Things were amazing. So when I think about Wesley and this, this like listening to, uh, lis- listening to someone read what Luther had to say on Romans, and Wesley's like, suddenly it was all real to me. Like yeah. that's not dramatic at all. What's dramatic is the the turnabout in Wesley's understanding mm. of God's love right. for him. But but the. The life he lived, the the ways in which he carried himself, the biggest dramatic turn, and and if there is a Wesleyan scholar out there who is ready to kick me in the pants because I'm saying this all wrong, feel free <laughs> to do we're, so. We're but, definitely armchairing this thing, right? <laughs> yes, we are super armchair, and literally for me today. Um, <laughs> but, in your home studio. But yeah, in my home studio, I'm literally in an armchair. But. Um, what what's dramatic in that moment is the way Wesley understands God's love. It's not like Wesley mm. was out living this this wild lifestyle and then was brought to some moralistic completion. Right. Right. Yeah. That's Wesley not what was that means living either. a pretty moralistic lifestyle. Uh, very. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He didn't. He didn't invent <laughs> he the methodical more, lifestyle uh, later yeah, on. Yeah, there was yeah. something that he, he was, was in the DNA from uh, from early on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super way more regimented than I've ever been. Um, sorry, Bishop, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but, but but you do hope to move very on to regimented. I do hope to move on to perfection. We'll talk about that with yeah. sanctifying grace. But <laughs> but but so it wasn't like this big dramatic affair, except for what happens in Wesley's heart is the big dramatic affair, right? That's that is what is so powerful and dramatic. Um, and maybe this is Kristen just trying to like make it really clear to everyone that that not all of our testimonies have to be this wild, mm. um, 
bear witness to the sin and depravity in which I lived and yeah. now bear witness to the holiness with which I'm striving right. for yeah. or toward which I'm striving. That's that's not necessarily it. It can be like I lived a really nice, normal, kind of privileged, soft-spoken lifestyle. And then I understood that, you know what, even within that, that there are spaces in my life that that I've not given up to God. Yeah. Um, that there are spaces in my life that God God wants to reconcile and redeem and make new. And and that is the dramatic turn is when I recognize that God wants to do that and I allow God to do it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. There's a, there's, um, if you we, have spoken, if you have heard the word of the Lord spoken to you and you want to walk the center aisle. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Sorry. It very much felt like an invitation <laughs> moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll be down, we'll be down front um, to meet you. Um, yeah. yeah, a pastor is ready to pray with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah, and, and sorry, having, and having, I, I wanted to interject that. Well, and, you know, and having been part of both of those kinds of experiences with people, you know, um, you know, people who people who experience this justifying grace without in that in that kind of dramatic sense, um, I've seen some powerful things happen in that, and then also in kind of that more like quiet kind of gradual uh, sense, uh, also God working in power in that, and that's that's what this language kind of gives us is is as a way to kind of understand that um, you know the justifying grace of God at work is that grace of God that when we uh, come before God, um, as the Book of Discipline says, uh, again, you know, the, the language is already worked out for us here. You know, we believe God reaches out to the repentant believer in justifying grace with accepting and pardoning love. You know, Wesleyan theology stresses that a decisive change in the human heart can and does occur under the prompting of grace and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, and what, whatever that, like the, exterior of that moment looks like for you. What we're talking about is, um, you know, being put into right relationship with God, being being uh, repentant and coming before the Lord and, and accepting this gift, accepting um, this pardoning love, um, you know, and, and it might look a little different for you. It doesn't have to look the same, uh, but we understand that in this, in this system, this is, this is how we describe that kind of inner experience um, with what God is doing in us uh, and through us, and um, you know that assurance that comes with that. I, I think that's another thing that Wesleyan Wesleyan language kind of gives us mm. is um, you know that language of the assurance that 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 this has happened. Um, yeah. You know, and and it, that you know that kind of kind of brings some a sense of peace along with it. You know, that, yeah, God really is doing this in my life. God really is uh, working in this way. And, and I just know my, my spirit is, is bearing witness with what God the Holy Spirit is doing in and through me. Um, and that's an important marker in the Christian life as well um, that doesn't always get thrown in with, with um, discussions of justifying grace, especially in the confirmation settings uh, where it's kind of just pushed over uh, real quickly. But I think that's for Wesley's experience and understanding the assurance that came along with that is is of vital importance for us to uh, get a grasp on. So, yeah, absolutely. And and what's beautiful about that assurance, John, is it's not the kind of assurance that says I've experienced justifying grace and and so now I'm done, 
right? That assurance is, is the sure knowledge that grace continues to be at work beyond that moment yeah. of justification. Um, and so you brought up kind of moving toward Christian perfection. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, so I think that's a good, a good space to maybe begin to talk about what it is we talk about when we say the words mm-hmm. sanctifying grace. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is moving into that kind of, um, you know, phase three, you know, like the, we, we talked about experiences um, of prevenient and justifying grace. This is where, you know, sanctifying grace is kind of where the Christian life is is lived out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are, there are standards by which, holiness standards by which, um, you know, the Christian life should be lived. Um, there's also this sense that, you know, when we experience justifying grace and we come into this right relationship with God, um, you know, we know that we're not like finished products. And, and I've been a part of other theological systems that that talk about, you know, an instant sanctification, not a, not a process of sanctification or being made holy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that like, hey, at that moment of justifying grace, you are just instantly um, made holy and... You know, you don't have to grow from that point because it's just, you know, just imputed on you, right? Um, right. Yeah, you are just holy before God now and forevermore. And 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 what Wesley was saying was he was like, you know, experience and reason and tradition along with scripture are, are, are actually kind of teaching me that um, this looks more like a process than something that happens in an instant in a moment at the moment of justification, right? Um, that instead, this is this is a something that we've got to live with day to day. And that, and, and the language that that we have here, the gift of this language is that we we are now um, looking for ways in the Christian life to experience God's grace that kind of shapes, that continues to shape our life more into the image of of, of Christ, right? Um, to to come more fully to an understanding and a lived out understanding of what the love of God and the love of neighbor actually look like. Um, and I'm I'll be honest, with you, I'm I'm just not there. I'm still on this journey. It's a process that God is still taking me through. Um, and so, you know, understanding that, that this is about day by day. This is about step by step. And God's grace that was there before you realized it, before I realized it, is still there. God's unmerited, yeah. undeserved love and favor um, it has not left because I said yes to Jesus. Instead, my awareness of my need for this continuing journey with God um, has stre- been strengthened by that, and so I, I know that I know that my life needs to be shaped and formed more into the image of Christ. And now, I still experience God's grace on a day-to-day basis, on a moment-to-moment basis. Um, you know that that understanding is is very practical, um, and and again points us toward, you know, hey, what is God's grace actually doing in my life? Um, you know, at this point, um, because I've got to keep listening. I've got to keep working on it. I've got to keep, uh, you know, the life of Christian di- discipline and habit uh, up, and I've got to learn to continue to live and walk in um, the grace of God that is still at work, that is still present. Um, you know, God doesn't give up on us when we just say yes to Jesus and move on to the next person. God stays with us. Yeah, and and the the quote from Wesley. I mean, you you just almost said it exactly the way Wesley did, um, except you said it in he, our terms. He might have he um, might have copied <laughs> off me in school. He might have, uh, you know, 
I, I heard he had a habit of that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, um, Wesley, Wesley actually said it's by sanctification that we're saved from the power and root of sin mm. and restored to the image of God. Um, and he goes on to say all experience as well as scripture shows this salvation to be both instantaneous mm. and gradual. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, so it is both. Um, we are constantly being formed and transformed. Right. Um, yeah. I have a friend who likes to use the image of uh, erosion, which um, they freely stole from the church fathers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and nature. Yes, and, and nature and science. Nature, so. <laughs> oh, look at that prevenient grace at work there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. But that idea that, you know, um, we're surrounded by the Holy Spirit mm. and and thereby constantly being formed and transformed by the work of God in our lives. Yes. And sanctification is that process that moves us toward um, what we call Christian perfection. Um, and, and that's another, I think, word or two words that in, in Methodist theology— um, we can get a little confused by. Um, yeah. I, you know, I told you when we started this that my oldest daughter and I had a conversation about Christian perfection last night. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and before anyone thinks, wow, y'all have awesome conversations in your house, it started by talking about a boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, deep theology uh, through teenagers uh, usually starts by talking about um, people we're interested right. in. Um, <laughs> But, but we were talking about Christian perfection and, and she asked the question that I think many of us ask, and it's, so you're saying that God will just make me perfect one day. And, um, (laughs) and so, so I had to do a little clarifying that when we talk about Christian perfection, we're talking about, um, understanding how deeply and how unabashedly and how, Mm. um, undeservedly, um, uh, we are loved by God, um, that God loves even the most vile of us. Um, and so we're in a really contentious election season. So whoever you are thinking about listener, that person is also a child of God. Um, and understanding that God loves that person just as deeply as, as God loves me. And then Christian perfection turns around and operates out of that and loves mm. others in the same way. And, and, and so we can be, right? This is one of our disciplinary questions that we have to answer for the Board of Ordained Ministry is, do you believe that we can be made perfect? And the answer to that question is yes. And I believe we fall short. Yeah. And so there can be these multiple moments of Christian perfection that we're constantly moving toward what God calls us to be yeah. toward loving how God calls us to love. Yeah. And yeah, and when we're asked that, you know, at our ordination, um, you know, do you expect to be made perfect in this life? You know, the, the right answer is, you know, with God's help. Yeah. And it's <laughs> that, you know, it's that with God's help. Absolutely. Know, acknowledging that without God's continued gracious action, uh, without the continued work of the Holy Spirit shaping me and forming my life um, and me listening and 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 you know ch- making choices along the way to uh, strengthen that relationship. Um, 
you know, I have, I don't have a shot at that. I don't have a shot of, of reaching a place where um, my heart, as, as Wesley would put it, um, habitually filled with the love of God and neighbor, um, you know, and having the mind of Christ and walking as he walked. I don't have a shot at making that if God isn't continuing to work on me. Um, right. But, you know, that, that goal of, of, of having love of God and love of neighbor first and foremost in every instance in life, um, I think is, is a worthy goal and, and something that we do with God's help continue to work toward. And yet it requires God's gracious action. It requires the unmerited, undeserved love and favor of God just as much as I needed it before I had no idea who God was. Right, that God's action towards us actually has not changed. It's just we're mm-hmm. we're experiencing our, you know, how God is working and our need, um, kind of shifting along the way. Um, but you know, the point in all this is when we talk about grace, God, God is not the one who's changing um, and transforming. We are, and so the mm-hmm. language helps us kind of map out our experiences and how we're um, how we're. We're being worked on, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this this uh, idea of Christian perfection can be scary, um, but again, it's not that like moralistic. Um, it just just be a better person, kind of Christian perfection. It's a it's a spiritual transformation, um, right? That takes and it, time. <laughs> yeah, well, time and. Yeah. It takes time and it takes practice, right? Yes. So so we talk about, you know, these three, um, I think at one time we said phases, at one time we said forms, but these these three ways of understanding grace at work in our mm-hmm. lives. But but that idea of sanctification, it's it's something we consciously undertake, right? Yeah. Like like we engage what what we call the means of grace. Mm, yes. Um in that sanctification process, which means we are reading scripture, yes. we are praying, we are part of a community of faith, we are serving others, mm, right? Yeah. Um we're working for justice. Like all of these things are means of grace in our world. Um and so as we engage those means of grace, Christ and the, through the Holy Spirit continues to shape and reshape who we are and our mm. understanding of not only where we stand in the world, but but our understanding of who our neighbor yeah. is, right? And and that our neighbor is every person. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, and I never graduate, no matter how far along on this journey I am, I never graduate out of my need for God's help and all of mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's Absolutely. It's, it's a humbling journey. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a great place to to end up, right? Christian perfection. Uh, and yet when you think about it, it <laughs> that requires a lot of humility and sacrifice. And um, when we when we were talking about um, you know, before that you mentioned your your daughter had a question about a boy and Christian perfection came up. <laughs> uh, I one of the, you know, maybe this is maybe this is a good place to kind of put the zip tie on, on the on the conversation too. Um because I'm get I'm getting some uh, nods from Blake about like you guys are have been talking for a long time. Uh, <laughs> bonus episode. Bonus episode, yeah. Uh, you know the one of those ideas is you know what I think one of the things that is most preventative that most gets in the way of me becoming more and more like Christ 
having the mind of Christ, walking as Christ walked, um, habitually filled with the love of God and love of neighbor is is myself, my pride. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I say, hey, I've reached Christian perfection, that is <laughs> probably a really good sign that I have not. <laughs> We've missed the humility train right. back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's probably best uh, if it that is ascribed to you by somebody else who is watching your life rather than you just kind of taking hold of that and say, by the way, I don't know if you've heard, um, right. but I— I've achieved Christian perfection today. <laughs> I just need you to know I am so perfect. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 you know, in the meantime, people are behind your shoulder looking at you like, all right, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone is rolling their eyes somewhere yeah. as you proclaim your perfection. Yeah. <laughs> so while it is a goal, don't uh, please please don't hear us saying it's a good thing and then turn this podcast off. Like, yeah, well, you know what? I'm good with that. I'm. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and be perfect right God now. God has made me perfect. This is a spiritual <laughs> journey. Yeah. Um, uh, absolutely. And and I think too, John, um, as we zip tie this, um, then— Yeah, because I'm still getting those looks from uh, Blake, our producer. Yeah, Blake is Blake is. He's not saying, relenting. Hey. He's not going to all of a sudden be gracious <laughs> and give us an extra hour to talk. I think we're— I think we're, What? I think we're Why? at the end. I think we're at the perfection <laughs> side of this podcast. Needs to be done. <laughs> Fine, we're perfect. <laughs> no, I was I was just going to add. You know, all of this comes in community. Mm. So the fair, the very fact that you said, you know, um, we don't ascribe Christian perfection to ourselves. Um, that it, we're always um, we're always receiving the grace of God um, prayerfully. We are acting out of the yeah. grace of God and the love of God. Um, and when we're doing that, if we follow the life of Christ, um, if we pay attention to um, the overarching themes in Scripture, we know that when we're doing that, our last concern is ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, you know? great kind of place for the discussion to come to and and, um, and just say, you know, that that idea of coming to the place that God is leading us, it's not about us. Mm-hmm. And right, it, it it really is about God. It really is about how much God loves others and wants to, you know, loves us and loves others and wants to use us and work in us and through us um, to help others see, help others experience as Absolutely. well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode. Um, because, and and maybe this is indicative of, you know, grace is something that is always with, the grace of God is something that's always with us. And so we really could sit around and talk forever and ever, but at some point we have to end the conversation. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And please uh, do remember to uh, go check us out on Facebook at The West Pod. Uh, like the page, uh, follow the page, uh, share our episodes if you've if this has uh, been something you've enjoyed and you've found enriching uh, and help us kind of grow the show here on The West Pod. And uh, until next time, uh, I am one of your co-hosts, John. Uh, and Kristen here is, and- will be back uh, on site, not in the home studio next time, hopefully. Um, because she can probably Should be back on site. Yeah, she can keep me in line better and on topic better when she's here, I'm sure. Um, but from my side of things, <laughs> thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Uh, thanks everyone. Uh, just remember that best of all, God is with us and we will see you next week. Amen. <laughs>